Thank you for tuning in on this episode of Culturally Buzzed, a podcast where we talk about anything and everything culture in relation to your health. This episode's going to be a bit shorter because I really just wanted people to gain a little bit of insight, a little bit of information on how to be their own mindful social media guru without feeling overwhelmed with an insane amount of scientific knowledge. (laughs) So I really hope you guys enjoy. Hello everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in on another episode of Culturally Buzzed, a podcast where we talk about anything culture in relation to your health. There are no podcast maintenance issues for today. We are rolling through, doing great. I guess I should stop and ask you how you are doing. So how are you doing? How are you feeling about that one negative social media post you saw today? (laughs) Do you see what I did there? I totally just lame, a lame segue, but totally just moved into the topic of choice for today's episode. I observe about 90% of my waking day, and I have slowly but surely concluded that there is something unhealthy going on when it comes to social media. Our daily social media habits are important, so important that they are officially influencing our way of thinking about the world and about each other. So for this episode, we're going to take a step back to pinpoint a lot of the unhealthy social media behavior that is happening. And I will share with you the mindful habits I practice while using social media. That was my dog, by the way. I don't know if you heard. So first, you have to take a moment to throw back to the first original episode of this podcast, where I spoke about the habits to try in order to benefit the health of your brain. Now, I also remember mentioning that heavy light in any sort of situation can alter your sleeping pattern. If your sleeping pattern is altered, then your mental cognition suffers because your brain didn't get the restful sleep it needed. And I also mentioned that certain stimulants like coffee and sugar, for example, can essentially add stress to your body. And that stress ultimately influences your brain because there is already a trained and well-conditioned response to perceived threat. Perceived threats are anything that trigger the fight or flight response. They can be physical threats or psychological threats. And as we transitioned into 2020, the world was faced with something it had the capability to respond to. Many people joined together in order to help their communities become healthier and safer for people who can truly suffer from illness. Simultaneously, social media became this hyperactive and totally fixated platform of constant updates on a very grim situation. Now, social media on its own isn't necessarily an evil thing. It could be used to help people stay in contact with each other without physically being in the same room. It can also be used to help people connect with each other on something casual like a funny post or an article. But like everything else in life, it is also something that is subject to perception of its users. I remember when the recent election happened, there were so many controversial posts on my feed about specific candidates. But then there was also this constant stream of police brutality, racism, and injustice videos that started to circulate as well. Most social media will use some sort of algorithm, and that algorithm tries to predict what you will be interested in based on what your friends have responded to and the type of posts that you have responded to as well. So anytime I would go onto my social media accounts, there would be posts in this specific order. Something frightening about politics something about police planting things into the cars of people they pull over, 
a funny and wholesome video about animals. An activist posts about gender inequality in Africa. Another funny post about an animal. And then another political issue about one of these candidates. And of course, fast forward to 2020, my social media feeds grew to an accumulation of climate change issues, political issues, gender inequality issues, racism issues, activists speaking speaking out about all of these different topics and more. I remember feeling so alone, so completely frustrated and scared about the world and how much conflict there is in it. And it turns out, science can also back this feeling up. There is a term called allostatic load. Allostatic load refers to the effects on the body to, due to acute or chronic stress. There are two types of allostatic load. The first is when there is a direct threat to survival and procreation, like a drought that directly causes a food shortage. The second type of allostatic load is when these direct threats to survival and procreation are paired with social dysfunction, like a drought that causes a food shortage, and in turn this creates a conflict regarding who gets food first in the middle of a food shortage. <laughs> and I can safely say that if you have been on social media, and you have a social media account of any, any of them out there, you have experienced allostatic overload. Especially because social media has become a place where anyone can say anything they would like, and anyone could react to another user's various posts. It is easily a place where people are constantly dealing with perceived threats. For some people, these threats fall into the category of messing with their freedom of life and survival and or social dysfunction. Now, the reason I mentioned the first episode earlier is because paired with people's less than mindful habits to seek out more stress in their life, social media has the same effect on the brain. So let's do a quick recap. Chasing all the stimulation leads to a fluctuation in dopamine levels in the brain. Dopamine is responsible for learning, wakefulness, mood, and motivation. It is that rush you get when you have had too much caffeine or when, you had a sad, when you've seen a sad post on social media. So seeking out so much stimulation seven days a week for weeks to months puts your body in a state of stress. Stress for a short period of time can increase learning. For long periods of time, it has a shrinking effect on the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is the area responsible for memory and learning. Because our brains can adapt, this can also result in an increase in the size of the amygdala, this makes your brain more receptive to stress. And according to Review 42, social media users in the U.S. average 38 minutes on social media a day. However, when you break it down by age ranges such as 16 to 24, the social media usage adds up to about three hours daily. So becoming more mindful about your social media time can actually lead to re-energizing you. Especially if you've been dealing with a stressful life outside of social media, it can become a bit of a break from the real world. You will now be going over some mindful tips to keep in mind while using social media. The first tip, which is my favorite actually, pay attention to the types of relationships you have with the people in your online community. So there's a process called social comparison theory. According to Psychology Today, this theory explains the idea that people determine their own self-worth according to how they stack up against others. 
especially in this current political, health, and social climate, the social comparison theory can help explain why there is such a divide among individuals online. So whenever you get a moment, take some time to distinguish the types of relationships you have with people online. Are the people you are friends with online a constant presence in your daily routine? If they are, you need to take into consideration what type of presence they hold. Are they generally supportive? Are they people you compare yourself to? Are they more or less successful than you? Do they generally have the life you look forward to having? Do you have the life? Do they have the life you don't actually want? And all these things are important things to consider because if people determine their self-worth based on how they stack up against others, this can help you realize whether or not your social online circle is a place you fit into. Is it truly a place where you thrive and make meaningful connections? Or do you constantly feel like you have unclear motivation to keep specific people present in your online circle? There are people in your social media community that have been part of your past, are part of your present, or you do not have a quick direction or quick direct connection with at all. Online mimics in-person interactions that way. If you are friends with people you don't often see, and you see them making connections with others without reaching out to you, that type of relationship can make you feel a bit lonely. So another big part of analyzing the types of relationships you have with your online community is understanding which relationships you want to continue to improve and which you would rather leave behind. I'm sorry, my mom's getting ready for bed. I think you can hear her <laughs> through the wall. <laughs> anyway. So sometimes it's important to take really great relationships offline. Like if you have a great time connecting with someone, the conversation never seems to die down, it might be a great time to take that relationship off of social media and onto more direct approaches like video chats. This next scenario is the opposite. Sometimes you meet people you have a great connection with, but that doesn't necessarily carry over to social media. You guys may like each other's posts, but past that there isn't really any sort of communication. That might be a friendship or relationship that can thrive in person, and you should only use social media as a way to learn about the person's likes or dislikes. Essentially, you shouldn't expect to keep in contact with that person through social media unless you really need something and then you'd have to break the ice and talk to them directly. Otherwise, you also probably shouldn't be taking things too seriously in that dynamic at least. Of course, there is this big debate about whether or not you should delete your exes. Again, you have to understand what your motivation is to keep contact with the people you've previously dated. Are you still friends with them because you left each other on good terms? Are you friends with them because you want to keep tabs on who they date next? Are you friends with them because you simply don't care whether or not they unfriend you and you're just living your life? Are you friends with them to make them jealous? Again, relationships are complicated, but you have to understand that in order to thrive with an online community and keep mindful about your social media life, you have to be selfish for the sake of good. Sometimes you have to create distance between you and your exes because you got into exercising really bad habits with each other. Even though you broke up, those habits can still live on through social media interactions. Unless you've had a conversation about a new set of boundaries and rules, it could be hard to get over someone that can, at any moment, invade your privacy and pass judgment on what you share with your online community. It's also a very great way for previously abusive relationships to continue being abusive. 
So be mindful of these issues and either have a conversation with the person or take the step to reduce the access to your online life. The second tip on how to become your own mindful social media guru is set your intention before you get onto your social media and stick to it. This is helpful if you find that you are someone who loses track of time or you use social media as a distraction from a stressful experience. If your main intention was to just check your notifications, then check them, get back to the people you need to get back to, but then don't do anything else. If your main intention was to go through your social media feed, set a time limit. There isn't anything you can't see tomorrow, so just remember that if you want to scroll through social media, setting a time limit will help you realize that you can only concern yourself with what's going on on social media for a specific time. When that time is up, you now have the ability to turn off that concern and mentally focus on something else. Whatever your intention is, decide it before you go on to your social media. This is a great way to mentally filter out what you don't want to pay attention to. And it's a good way to counteract allostatic overload. So for example, if your main intention to get onto social media was to uplift your spirits and make yourself feel better, and the first three posts make you feel some sort of unpleasant way, get off the account and do something else that will make you happy. I usually follow this rule when there are a lot of political issues as well as social injustice issues circling the internet. If the first three posts make me feel unpleasant in any sort of way, I don't go on to that social media account for the rest of the day. I find that I experience a lot less frustration and sadness when I decide to keep my own mental health in mind while using social media. The third tip I have for you is to know when a user is purposefully trying to create conflict or using aggression to impact your social media community. I'm sure you've heard in the wake of the 2016 election, there were numerous social media accounts created by hackers to influence the minds of voters all across the U.S. The New York Times published many articles about a group of hackers that simultaneously created accounts run by bots to divide people. These bots weren't people, but they interacted with other users on many social media platforms to spread hate, intolerance, and anger. So the best way to counteract situations like this when they arise is to pay attention to the language that is being used. The bots used words that were socially charged. Most of the posts were about one racial group or another. Most of the posts included some sort of hot topic that many other people have already concerned themselves with. And if we take into consideration that there could be many bots within your online community, their influence can impact your social media experience right away. Because no one you know can personally care about the posts these bots make. But because these posts look like they have thousands of comments and reactions, they show up on your feed because of the algorithm. And the more you interact with these posts, the more these posts show up on your friends' feeds. And then it's a cycle of people pushing propaganda around when it was all fake to begin with. The fourth tip I have for you is to stop sharing articles you haven't read. An article in the Washington Post by Caitlin Dewey reads that 59% of news links that are shared are never actually read. A direct quote from her article says, according to a new study by computer scientists at Columbia University and the French National Institute, 59% of links shared on social media have never actually been clicked. In other words, most people appear to retweet news without ever reading it. Worse, the study finds that these sort of blind peer-to-peer shares are really important in determining what news gets circulated and what just fades off the public radar. So your thoughtless retweets and those of your friends are actually shaping 
our shared political and cultural agendas. Social media is useful in helping us keep in touch with the world, but we make it worse for ourselves when we share things we don't know to be true and it just takes and just take them as face value. So if you come across an article that concerns you, click on it and skim through it. Then go to your search bar and type in some keywords and see what else comes up. If you click on a few links and you see that there's different information being said, most likely it's a fake article with a catching headline so that whoever posted it can, can get paid per click. The fifth and final tip I have for you is to stop using social media during person-to-person -person interactions. I know this seems a bit weird, but this is the rule I follow most. I have found that when I'm on social media while hanging out with others, I'm not very present in conversation, and I generally make less memories with the people around. I also know that when someone else is on social media, I feel like I need to be checking my phone too. Your brain also interacts differently in person-to-person -person interactions, and it's healthier for you to multitask a whole lot less in situations that are supposed to decrease your blood pressure that are supposed to calm you, that are supposed to actually create those happy neurotransmitters that everybody looks forward to having. Person-to-person -person interactions, again, can reduce stress levels, whereas social media interactions can increase stress. So really, take the time out of your day to actually interact with people one-on-one, -on -one, if you can, obviously do it safely, <laughs> without the distraction, without the intrusive role or this constant feed of information you might not actually find very helpful. I think when I scroll through my social media account, about 70% of it is distraction and about 30% of it is actually what I look forward to reading about. So just keep that in mind. I hope that these tips are easy to follow and that you are more than motivated to become your own mindful social media guru. Be free to be you. I will talk to you again in two weeks.